Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Today, I interviewed Weiwu Zhang, the CTO founder and architect for Smart Token Labs. Smart Token Labs has built Alpha Wallet and many other projects. Weiwu and I talked a lot about the structuring of Web3 in relation to dApps and tokens and smart contracts. Weiwu has spent over nine years in blockchain. He really is incredibly experienced in the space. He served as the blockchain architect for CBA, the largest Australian bank, prior to starting Smart Token Labs. He is an R3 global architect, and he himself has built most of what they have. They have an incredible team there now, and we talked about what his vision for the future of Web3 is, which I very much agree with. I think it was very sensical and technical, and I believe in their vision. So I hope you enjoy the show. The show today is sponsored by Otter Labs at HireOtter.com. You can check out the site. There are developers, over 1,200 developers down in South America in the Otter Labs community. If you're an existing startup running an engineering team or working in an engineering team, check out Otter Labs for hiring, staffing up, integrating your team with more great developers, really connecting the global ecosystem of talent. Uh, South America in particular is great for U.S. companies that are on the same time zone. They speak fluent English, well-educated, and experienced in working with U.S. tech companies. So check out Otter Labs for more info on that. And I hope you enjoy this show with Weiwu Zhang. All right, we are live. I'm excited to dive in. Um, Weiwu Zhang, thanks for jumping on today. Uh, why don't we Thank start you. the conversation? Yeah, why don't we start off by, uh, if you could tell me what you're working on. Tell me what the the project Smart Token Labs is all about and 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 what you guys are trying to accomplish in the world. So uh, Smart Token Lab um, makes smart tokens. That's, that's what the name says. Um, so by smart token, we mean tokens that has functionalities that can integrate um, into web services and the metaverse. So example would be if you have a um, uh, NFT from an uh, artist, um, then you can add function to it. For example, uh, go into the gallery, either in the virtual world or in the real world. And this additional functionality made it smart. Essentially, they are still blockchain tokens, but we work on technologies to uh, wrap, wrap around this token, make it work, make it portable, 
make it com composable. That's more important. Um, and we also have the wallet technology, uh, where um, the smart tokens can be really smart in your mobile phone. Such as if you have a car token, you can uh, start the engine from your wallet. Mm -hmm. yeah, gotcha. Yeah. And 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 uh, one of the uh, there's a piece out in media that the CEO Victor wrote who I interviewed before. And one of the things he said on here in the, in the article was that Alpha Wallet is the most forked wallet on the Ethereum virtual machine ecosystem uh, and the first open source wallet. Y you, at, the, at uh, uh, Smart Token Labs, you're working on multiple projects at once, right? So you have Alpha Wallet, you have, can you explain kind of the different categories of the different projects? So Alpha Wallet, I understand. Um, how do you conceptualize the different projects that are going on at one time? We have an Alpha Wallet. Uh, it's not the first open source uh, Ethereum wallet, but, uh, but uh, it's the uh, most used one today. Um, and then uh, uh, in the open source realm, uh, we have Token Script. Token Script is a core technology that enables smart token. Um, token Script requires the wallet to be smarter as well. So Alpha Wallet is the first wallet that implemented uh, Token Script. The, the first uh, version of Token Script was produced like three years ago, uh, and we enabled things like FIFA ticket on it, where the users can hold their digital wallet and enter the FIFA venue with them with the digital QR code uh, generated inside the wallet. You don't have to go to a website to do that. Okay. And uh, uh, we have also NFT, which is um, the technology to create NFT derivatives, packages, or uh, uh, you know, creating little NFTs, split the NFTs off. Uh, all of, all this kind of magic combined in in one um, multifunctional smart contract. Uh, this is helpful in uh, in in uh, is this it can, it's the smart contract component uh, of smart token. So all of these technologies work together to enable smart tokens. Um, the 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 company, the smart token labs, is an umbrella that hosts all these projects. Mm. Got it. Got it. Okay, that's helpful to understand. And when you think of smart tokens. Uh, or better yet, how should I think of smart tokens? I understand conceptually the idea of a smart contract is basically an algorithm that determines the functionality of different wallet configurations um, based on allowances and permissions. And there's a huge customizable framework there uh, for different protocols, like Ethereum being one and there's others. Uh, smart tokens aren't typically how how I've thought about it. How do you think of the conceptual difference between a smart token and a smart contract? Um, <clears throat> to answer that question, I, I want to um, maybe step back a little bit and talk about the, uh, the shift in the ecosystem. Um, so uh, I believe you and uh, most of my uh, fellow community members in the Web3 space uh, envision to have this decentralized web for quite a few years. And we have been working hard on it by first having blockchain available, and then we have uh, uh, DApps, which gives you access to blockchain. But uh, the question was now never answered that how do we go from having blockchain, having DApps, to Web3? So um, if you look at today's um, technology, smart contract enabled web 
apps. They don't look like a website that can serve the functionality of Web2. And they don't look like uh, more uh, user-friendly or powerful than Web2. If you, if, you, if you have Web2 versus Web3, ideally, it should be more powerful, more uh, user-friendly. So uh, today, you can book a hotel in Web2. Can you do this with that? So we are, we are miss, missing this connection. How do we make uh, this decentralized intuition technology into something that enables decentralized web? And uh, uh, to me, the answer is quite clear. Uh, it is through tokens. So um, uh, I, I just pick up on the example of booking a hotel. So if you can book a hotel room, uh, then that, that becomes your right to stay in the hotel. And that would be a token. And by having that in a token form, you can enable other things. For example, you can enable a secondhand market for hotel, hotel rooms. You can enable your mobile AI to change hotel rooms if your, if your flight changes, um, which was difficult to do unless, unless you delegate everything to Google. Uh, to Google. Uh, the, the same goes for other types of tokens. So car token example, I talk a lot. Uh, so if you have a car token in your wallet, um, as a result of purchasing a car, then uh, you can build new web services like uh, car rental services where you can just authorize the car rental company to use your car for the duration, maybe for three months when you're away from the country. And this will be uh, what was very difficult to do without token. <laughs> if you want to do this without token, the only way to do that is to convince Apple and Google to develop this technology. Because otherwise, there is no central point of trust where you can delegate your car token right to some company uh, who delegated to the to the to the market. Now, uh, so what I see here is token is the enabling technology, and for that to be enabling technology, it has to has to has to have richer functions. It will not be if you will just talk about smart contract, just to talk about the rights that are transferable then we will not be able to, for example, render the car on your screen and display from which date to which date the car will be uh, rented to the company and uh, see the revenue coming in like once, once a day or something. We need this rich layer to make token really portable for this decentralized web to be there. So that, that is addressing your uh, main question of uh, what is the relationship between smart token and uh, uh, smart contract. Smart token is one layer above. In the future, if you think about Web3 websites like Booking.com, it will not connect to your wallet and automatically list all of your, you know, you know, how many ethers, learn how many ethers you have. It will not pop up a Web3 model and ask you to choose from 20 wallets which one is your wallet. <laughs> In the future, Booking.com or any uh, Web2 websites that is going to provide Web3 services, is going to upgrade. They are going to work on token level. They are going to check the booking.com uh, booking again as an example. They are going to check if you have maybe American Express privilege token, which gives you discounted hotel in the network. Uh, maybe you have uh, points which you can use to pay. Maybe you have a um, uh, uh, preference, uh, which is recorded in token uh, that is at work with, uh, with AI in booking.com. Maybe you have an uh, event ticket, and through the event ticket, Booking.com can recommend the right hotel or even give you a free hotel because the network, uh, the event is connected with the, with, with the hotel. So uh, Booking.com will not care about your Ethereum address. They will care about what tokens you have. 
and they will react to it. And that's the future, future and seeing. And do you think of this as a, let's stick on the example of booking.com because that's a good, simple one. So currently right now I go, I go to booking.com. I choose a hotel room. I enter my, my name and details and I enter a credit card. Your, your proposition here is that uh, booking.com will have a token layer. Now, do you see that as a booking.com's individual token that I would need to acquire, like a booking.com token, and, and that would be used in the secondhand market? Or, so in or that's case, independent? In this case, uh, that's a good question. In this case, booking.com is, a, is, a, booking.com is relatively an elaborate example because its function is very rich. So it is a web service that uses the token layer that is provided by wallet, and wallet has to be able to do smart things for that to happen. It can interact with smart tokens, such as um, privileged token like membership. And it is also a token issuer. So when you buy to- buy a token, buy a hotel room from them, it will issue your token. Maybe uh, Booking.com will only go halfway. Maybe they will say, okay, we accept tokens. Uh, we accept if you have a FIFA ticket. We, we, will, we will give you the right hotel. Um, and they don't issue a Booking token. But I think uh, there is a evolutionary drive for them to also issue token. Because today... Um, People don't like to flip through mobile phones to change change uh, applications to do different things. Uh, they want the convenience, and that's what Web3 can do. And that is provided by token. If, uh, if you have a token, uh, hotel room book, uh, to, uh, a booking token, then uh, it is in your wallet, and it can interact with other web services you buy. For example, if you, you can use that token uh, when you book the airline, or um, uh, you can, uh, your mobile phone say, I can sort out that because you need this hotel, you need to uh, to get a bus ticket from there to here. This can this kind of thing uh, is only possible if you allow your customers uh, to have your booking token. So mm. maybe Booking.com will first recognize token, and later they will be an issuer. And do you think the purpose, the driving, if I'm on the executive team of Booking.com and you're pitching me, uh, do you feel like the, the primary benefit of the Booking.com, from Booking.com's perspective, is the secondhand market or greater liquidity of their token? So uh, I guess you view it as the value of the secondhand market in some way for the retailer. Um, I, I can't see how that would benefit booking.com, but maybe it benefits the token so that the booking.com owns a lot of their tokens. And so they're incentivized to drive up the value of the token. So a secondhand market would increase the value of the token. Is that the right line of thinking? Um, there are two stories, the bigger one and the smaller one happening at the same time. So uh, the bigger story is that we are in a transitional phase. Uh, we have DEP, we have a lot of users, and DEP users have a lot of tokens, and these tokens will grow in functionality. It's a little bit like uh, early days when start users start to have um, mobile phones, smartphones, and they start to have apps. So one of the questions you might ask is, Walmart, why do you provide apps to the users uh, when you can already um, uh, open your shop, shop front and, and do a discount or uh, email your discount vouchers to the people? Um, the, the answer is you, it's probably in the big in the bigger narrative, it's probably not very important if you provide an app or not. But then again, uh, you might not be there when everybody have an app. The same story goes with tokens. We have a lot of users using tokens, 
And uh, once you have a, a privileged token, you will want to go to websites that accept that token. If Booking simply don't don't accept it, then they, they will slowly become irrelevant. We are we are we are not we were not seeing this change happening in the last three years, but this year, starting from this year particularly, we are seeing this um, shift of um, mentality. We are seeing uh, token holders start to behave uh, as if um, the tokens identifies them, that a, a token uh, shows who they are, what they can do. Once they have this belief, uh, the web services that incorporate with this token will thrive. And eventually, Booking.com will, will, will have to do this. This is the bigger narrative. Mm. The, the smaller narrative is... Um, we actually had talked with the with with the executives in Booking.com. The smaller narrative is uh, they want to provide one-stop service for FIFA ticket holders, so that uh, FIFA ticket holders have no intention of purchasing separate options. So they actually want to recognize FIFA ticket, but it was not possible because FIFA ticket was physical. If it was a digital token, um, they would be they would love the idea of integrating them. They, they, they also the hotel is also a highly competitive market, and they, they want to find ways to engage their customers. If they know more about their users, um, it would be better. Now, right now, they can know know about users from, from Google, but token is really like the conversation uh, that can happen with the between the user and the and Booking.com on a highly detailed level. Like an, uh, how wealthy you are, like uh, whether whether or not you plan to stay in Europe for a long time, you can show that with a if your if your visa is a token, you can show that too. And this is uh, not breaching the trust either. And normally, this is an issue because uh, users don't want uh, Google knows everything, but they are fine if Booking.com knows things about them at the moment of booking. Hmm. So yeah, uh, I see that. So they have they have a reason to do that. However, on a smaller narrative. They have no reason to issue their booking code token. <laughs> that will take years to change. Mm, got it, got it. And do you so think, I like that. The first to, to go will be privileged tokens, identifying tokens, like uh, uh, showing you have uh, like an NFT holder uh, logging into a website through that, that token. But eventually, website will want to issue their tokens or they will be irrelevant. It really okay. So the so Booking dot com, for example, and the thousands, millions of other websites will have their own tokens. Is how you see it? Yes, I think token is an uh, today we see token as a heavy an object. Mm-hmm. Uh, I the future future I see is a token where token is ubiquitous. You have a lot of tokens that represents your um, your your free ride to uh, to the train station for a month, for example. Mm. So it's a, yeah. So when we think of issuing a token or creating a new token uh, today, it's kind of a, a a big deal in that in terms of it, it requires maybe a white paper to be taken seriously, and there's you know development work that goes into it. But in the future, it, it'll be very easy. It'll be you know Booking.com will set up their token. It'll probably be the kind of work that goes into building a website. You know, it's anybody can build a website. There'll be tools to help you build a website. It definitely takes work, but once you do it, you're set. And so. Uh, the entire world moved on to the internet by creating websites. That was like, you know, if you're a small bakery or restaurant, how do you adapt to the internet? Well, you get listed on Google and Yelp and you build a website. So your, your thought is to get 
to get businesses integrated with Web3, the actual thing they would need to do, one of, one of a, probably a couple of things, is creating a token is the equivalent leap forward. So booking.com, for example, creates a token. Um, Southwest Airlines creates a token. And instead of having individual tickets that are centralized, they would have these tokens. And I'm sure the tokens would be customizable so they could be transferable or not transferable because some retailers don't want you to be able to trade. You know, Southwest, I'm sure, has uh, you know, security concerns as airlines do. So they, they don't want you to be able to trade uh, tickets in that way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, um, so, um, uh, of course, a lot of token issuers will issue non-transferable tokens, but still, these tokens have um, their own merit. They can add functionality. So, uh, if you have an airline token, in an uh, airline ticket in your, in your wallet, then it can have run the token script inside and know that you are not near airport enough to catch the plane. And it can give you a warning. Traditionally, you, you have to ask the user to install an app to do so, but users don't like to install apps. Uh, on, the, on the grander scale of, th- scale of things, uh, transferable token uh, opens new market. So um, although the token issuers may not desire their token to be transferable, evolutionary speaking, the transferable ones might outcompete the ones that is not tra- non-transferable. Yeah. Yeah, I would imagine the only reason that companies would not want you to transfer tickets uh, or tokens would be regulatory concerns. Yeah, I... I but then again, you know, if you think of um, FIFA or any sports arena, they they do allow you to buy and sell tickets uh, technically. Uh, no, I think they actually don't. They discourage it. They don't allow it uh, legally as per platform for you to do so. Okay, they do. Platform, yeah. The, 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 they don't hate tickets to be transferred. They don't like the idea tickets are transferred without them taking a profit. Right. <laughs> um, you can write a smart contract to do that. But uh, right now you do this through their own uh, second ticket uh, website, second hand ticket website. <laughs> right. And your, your thought is, hey, uh, FIFA, instead of using a second hand website or so you're using your own second hand market, use a smart token, allow people to trade it all you want and embed the functionality to take a cut, just like an NFT, where at every trade or every transaction uh, the, the creator of the NFT is taking a percentage, maybe five or 10%, whatever it is. The same can be true for FIFA. So you can sell this ticket all you want, but every time you trade it, transact it, we're going to take X percentage of it. Um, on one hand, yes, it's convenient. But on the, on the other hand, it increases the demand. If you have a FIFA ticket as a token, then you can potentially prove that you attended every FIFA event in, in the last five years which gives you a special privilege to do special things. Or you can get Mercs uh, discounted. Or, or you can, you, if, if, if a hundred people wants to have a signature, sorry, autograph from a football star, then uh, you are top of the queue because you have the privilege. You, you attach these things, it becomes smart, and the demand for it will grow stronger. Ticket will no longer be the right of entrance. It becomes something that identifies the buyer. And once it becomes that, its value is greater. Oh, that's a good way to think about it. So effectively, it's a it's a relationship, right? I mean, oh, I almost think of it as uh, you're 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 identifying a relationship with a retailer using the token as the as the means to record your identity and also the events that you've conducted. Whether I booked hotels, bought cars, uh, state you know, gone to sporting games. This relationship is what 
um, is typically done today through a, an account creation. So I would go to Ticketmaster, I'd go to whatever website, I create an account, and then they can see how many times I've stayed. So travel in particular with airlines will give out frequent flyer miles, same with hotels, because they have this, I have my account with them and they can track how many times I've gone. So the, the functionality is there currently on Web2, but it's probably not as prolific or as um, widely adopted across different industries. Because of there, the are work that reasons, um, there are two reasons. Uh, accounting is a Web two technology, uh, and uh, web, a token can can out compete them. Uh, so uh, composability and operability that's the, the major one. Um, so if you have a um, if you have a account um, for a computer game, video game, then um, you can play it on different platforms. <laughs> if the uh, if uh, if you if you have a previous title of the game, you probably can buy the discount one from the future titles, well, no matter which retailer website you're getting it from. All these uh, uh, features that you build on top of tokens, if you build it with accounts, first the website has to be integrated. You can imagine that in order to be compatible with 100 tokens, a website using account model has to have a back office connection to 100 websites. That's uh, hard to do and insecure. And most importantly, you need permission. If the other uh, account, com uh, the other company doesn't want to connect to you, um, you, you don't get the connection. Mm. I'm with you. Um, it, with the retailers, I mean, do you see it as the retailers who are creating these tokens? Um, there's a lot of decisions you need to make when you create a token. You need to decide. You, you know this better than I do, but you need to decide how new tokens are issued, um, if there's any burn, uh, what the initial pool of tokens are. And there's different techniques to try to drive adoption. Right now, I would say, what, 95% or more of the tokens out there are speculative and they're trying to draw value on the trading of the tokens themselves. And then many are actually tied to projects in a real meaningful way. As tokens become more connected to projects or retailers, is is there going to become a standard playbook for how tokens are issued? And I mean, what if uh, you know Booking.com decided to just mint uh, new tokens and sell them to people? Is that does that even mm. make sense for them? Yeah, the playbook. Yeah, that's, that's a really good idea. I will borrow your word, uh, your word in the future. Playbook. So. Uh, uh, if you if you if you think about your business, uh, tokenizing your business, uh, there are a few directions. Do you want privilege token? Privilege token is a little bit like membership. Uh, uh, do you want to have product token, which links uh, product related services or um, uh, websites? It makes more sense if the, your product is digital. Then, uh, uh, if um, you want to um, uh, get a ticket entrance for metaverse, so the token holders. Can able can smart token holders can use that in metaverse. If you just want your concert to be in Los Angeles, then you will probably don't need it. But if you want to have a virtual concert in in, in the same place uh, with with a VR um, in the virtual Los Angeles, you you might want to have something that has that level of interoperability. Um, and then you have a stake token. So uh, uh, so if you buy that, you you own part of the company. So uh, there are like a four, five major types of tokens, which makes sense, depends on the business. We are going to see interesting uh, development, and I think that is going to happen from now, 
when uh, NFT was really thing that enables people to think like token. Previously, we think tokens like um, the currency, but right. after NFT, we are think, thinking about token more close to to smart tokens. So from this year, we will see this unfold, and I don't know which type of token will be more popular. Uh, we we try to provide technology to enable all these. Um, it's a little bit like uh, uh, the the web design software back in the days. We try to give token issuers what they need to play with this. Mm. Yeah, that's a good analogy for it. It's really like you're you're building the tools that people in in web 1.0 and 2.0 you're building the uh you know the tool to create a website but you're building a tool to mint and um choose your attributes for the different tokens so do you imagine it like booking.com and all the millions of other retailers out there would be able to go to your website and choose a set of parameters enter in some validation that they are who they say they are uh, and then they would be able to issue the tokens all in one place is that the vision or do you see um, it we're, we're, we're uh, one level down since we were talking about the vision now we talk about how it comes to 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 play um uh, th- we have a technology called token negotiation and it is um, a technology where the website ex- expresses uh, what kind of token they're interested in and users can enable these tokens for the website it's a little bit like uh, do you want cookie box in when when you when you go to a new website <laughs> you, you can see, see a do like token but token is a lot more sp- smarter than cookie they are similar in a way but they are a lot more smarter smarter and composable and uh, if you have an affiliation network then uh, the website can hold a token which represents the right <laughs> to access a certain t- type of token from the users without permission so <clears throat> example being american express we will give uh, tokens to uh, all of the network shops to allow this uh, the special privilege token to allow these tokens through negotiation to know if the user is a card holder without asking the user again. So, uh, we were supposing that the user already clicked yes when they get the American Express card. So uh, some of the negotiation, as you can see, happens automatically uh, through this mechanism. Some of the negotiation is manually, so uh, manually down. So uh, example will be if you go to Tesla, and you click checkout, and uh, the negotiation happens in a way that Tesla website asks for a token that can emit Ether because they accept Ether as a token, as a, as a payment. Then it's up to you to choose from your wallet. You have Ether itself, which can emit Ether. You have AVE uh, uh, line of credit, which can emit Ether. Maybe you have collateralized NFT, or maybe uh, you, have, uh, uh, you have the capacity to instantly sell something and get some Ether. So in this case, um, the website does not need to know what token you do. Unlike previous uh, American Express case, this case, uh, as long as the website received a certain amount of Ether, they are happy. So token negotiation happens uh, in various scenarios. Um, that's, that's the process of how the users use tokens on the website. Token negotiation also enables the website to uh, issue a new token as a result of the transaction. So one example being if you buy a Tesla car, you check out with the Ether, and in the same transaction, uh, there goes in the Ether and there comes out the car token, which represents your ownership, which you can in turn use it to join the uh, car forum to show you that you are owner, or um, uh, go to an insurance website and get insurance without you know, having, having to type the engine number and stuff. Mm. So uh, it goes both ways. So the connecting technology between wallet and uh, uh, and the app, uh, Web3 is 
token negotiation. Mm. On some level, I feel it'd be a kind of a hassle for the users to have to get a hundred different tokens. Like if I go through all the websites I have you know, signed uh, signed up accounts with, um, is there you know do you see instead of me using Dashlane or one password with a thousand different uh, passwords in there, would they be a very similar type of interface, but just with tokens? So I'd have a thousand different tokens in there for all the different retailers, or do you think it consolidates more where it's like, you know, they all, most of them use Ethereum and then a few of them do more creative projects? Um, different business scenario will require a different level of blockchain security. So it's natural that uh, uh, booking uh, tokens are not running on Ethereum, which requires a high transaction fee. And then uh, it will be the token's own property, uh, which blockchain they are using, and how to validate that. So uh, the websites will be talking to tokens, which is enabled by a smart wallet like Alpha Wallet. And you can think about it as a, a website scanning a special channel to communicate with Dashlane. And Dashlane have the account, but they are way, way smarter. Uh, and 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 that eliminates the uh, uh, the need for account for uh, for quite a bit as well. Mm. Yeah. Okay, I'm with you. I'm with you. Where do you think we are on NFTs? Do you think NFTs now are overrated, underrated, overvalued, or undervalued in terms of the market? Um, somebody said um, to me recently. I'll, I'll say somebody said to me recently that if you have a piece of traditional art, say a painting, the value you receive from the painting can only be when you're in person it fully it, to fully experience that piece. So if I put it in my room, I can look at it. You, you, I can show it to you on a webcam and you can, you can kind of see it and you can even take a picture of it, but it's never going to be the same way to appreciate it as when you're in person. When you own an NFT of uh, some digital JPEG or something, you're, you're, I'm getting the same value of you, even if you're the owner. And so then it becomes just proof of ownership as opposed to proof of control. If I own this piece of physical art, I can choose to to never show anyone the art or I can choose to give it to you privately. And then there's a there's an element of control of the art and um, a higher level of intimacy with the art. You know, I can experience the art at a different level than you can. And I, I sometimes am, am skeptical on the whether we're correctly pegging the value of NFTs because everyone can experience the same art Everyone, you know, if you just copy a screenshot, it's like you have no, you have no advantage if you own the the piece other than just the record of the piece itself. I hope that was clear. I'm curious your response. Okay. Uh, speaking of the market value, um, uh, I, I think we are. Um, so NFT is um, uh, the scarcity of NFT is difficult to defend. So it's like a public company. If everybody's interested in publicly traded companies, there will be more public traded companies. So if your people are interested in NFT, they believe there's a unique value in it and it's a scarcity in it. For example, this is the, uh, this is the first, this is the first and only uh, NFT that represents the first tweet ever in the world. So it's uniqueness cannot be replicated. I question that because, um, the, the, the first Facebook post is also significant. And the first um, uh, web page indexed by Google is also significant. Once, uh, once people appreciate the value of the first Twitter post, they will, these will, the other things will be tokenized too. 
So it's really dif difficult to defend the scarcity of NFT tokens. The more the, the demand is, the more they will be produced, and the, the, the money amount of money is limited resource. Um, also, like uh, from a uh, speculative um, point of view, if you just want to speculate, uh, a speculator needs an asset that you can quickly exit. And then NFT being quite illiquid, it's not really good for speculation either. So um, I think we are uh, mispricing NFT at the moment. But the way I see NFT is, and I compare it to Baptist John, it's not the, the God, it's the Huggingner of the God that is going to come. Does Say it again, it's, it's, it's the what of the God? The... It's the Vanguard. It's the Vanguard of the, the, the God that is going to come. Baptist John is not the God, but he is the person to welcome Jesus. So that, if it makes sense. So NFT makes people realize that tokens can be unique. Mm. And uh, it makes people feel the connection to the token and uh, make the code token identify them. And it gives the users the desire to make tokens do more. So NFT tokens naturally want their NFT to be on their uh, designer bag or on their clothes in the metaverse. These ideas wouldn't exist without NFT. We talked about ways to use token three years ago to people, and they were just, they don't know what we're talking about. But today, if we say that again, like what I said to you, it seemed to make sense to you. But three years ago, it wasn't like that. It wasn't like that. And yeah. I think NFT is the, is the bridge. It, it opens people's mind to perceive smart tokens. So yeah. smart token is a god, and um, NFT is Baptist John. That's <laughs> I like that. Uh, yeah, I, I certainly see, because we live in a physical world today, you know, the vast majority of people's consideration, if you gave someone a million dollars, they would think about it in terms of what can I how can I benefit from that in the physical world? They would buy a car, they would buy a house, they'd buy a horse, they'd buy a dresser, they'd buy clothing, they'd buy, you know, most of the purchases we make um, are in the physical world. There's a lot that aren't, but but most are today. And the way that we show status is, is tends to be in the physical world. You know, what kind of clothing you're wearing or the car you're wearing, that is certainly moving more digital. There's, um, <clears throat> you know, you can... Uh, accumulate NFTs would be the most direct approach of, of this. But if when you're socializing digitally, so if we're, you know, you and I, to some degree here are socializing digitally, if we're actually physically in what I think of like the VR metaverse, if you're in that space and there's permission rights in that physical space so that, you know, right on my wall here, if I, the only person, the only, the only avatar, the only a you know, person in the the VR world that can put this art on the wall is the person who has the control of the token. In that scenario, because it's encoded into the matrix that people are living in in that digital space, then I see the value. Because then, then I alone can appreciate the value of this piece. Like whoever, when, when you look at the Mona Lisa, I mean, <laughs> I almost hate to use that example because I've heard it used so many times, but, but any piece of art the owner has control of the physical piece. And I think you can only truly realize the value of NFTs if you're, if you're immersed in a digital experience that has the permissions to only allow the owner of the art to control 
where it is physically and who can see it. So I can, you know, charge people money to come into my room. I can create an art gallery of NFTs. You can't have an art gallery of NFTs today because anyone can see any NFT and they can just screenshot it and copy, copy it. But if you had a, if you were totally embedded into the digital space, you could in theory do that. I, I, I see yeah. it at that point. I mean, and maybe people yeah. are just so far beyond me that they see it before I do. And, but I don't know. Um, people are, uh, uh, when, when people buy NFT, they are consuming something different than the value of uh, appreciating. Um, so, uh, there are two kinds of interactions. Um, uh, one, as you mentioned, if you have a million dollars, can buy a horse. Uh, a horse normally don't cost, cost that much, but just as an example. How much does a horse cost? Uh, uh, the horses I have, uh, is um, uh, they are all below 10 grand. They okay. are, they are, they are uh, not just super expensive, but we, we have a really good relationship with them. Uh, and they are very dear to me. So I wouldn't sell them for a million dollars. So, so um, uh, the one kind of experience is... Um, Real, like uh, uh, where I can ride my horse to the National Reserve here in Kurengai uh, National Reserve near Sydney. I do that uh, uh, quite a few times a week, and I enjoy being in the bush, um, in the mist, and uh, you know, have a horse um, jumping over the creek. That's that's a pleasant experience. And the other is um, the experience I draw from social appreciation. So uh, hard to admit it, but uh, it feels good to talk with you. Uh, and in the podcast, and later know that a lot of people will hear it. It gives me satisfaction too. And uh, uh, what NFT gives people is the latter kind of satisfaction. It's not that only I can appreciate this uh, NFT picture. It's everybody can appreciate this NFT picture, but none of them can deny the fact that it belongs to me. Mm. So what I'm consuming is, as an NFT holder, the fact that people appreciate and know it belongs to me. Okay. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm with you. Wait, 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 let me ask you something though. So when I think about the, the belonging, uh, when I think about belonging and ownership, I, I think about power because to own something is, is implicitly a claim on, on, on the ability to do something with it. If I own a piece of land, if I look at the ground, I say this pile of dirt right here, I own this, this land. Well, for me to own it, it only is a useful claim to make if that ownership is validated by some uh, power, some something that I can do with this piece. So if you come on my land, well, I can call the police and, and I can make you leave. That's a claim on power. What about, what about love? Uh, say if you are a movie star, you own so many people's fans, love. That's something you have because they love you. And you cannot rent it to, to anyone. And um, uh, you cannot control if somebody stops loving, loving you or new, new people come to love you. But you still consume what you own, which is the feeling of being loved. NFT is playing that role. Uh, it's a little bit magical, but I wouldn't exaggerate its use. When the person becomes poor and realizes NFT cannot get them the billion dollar they originally thought, uh, that, that, um, that feeling of ownership that, that it can, they can consume, that, that, that suddenly worth a lot, a lot less. You want to own something that everybody wants to own, not really own, but the only one person can call it owner. You want to have this feeling. Once the price is low, it means there are a lot less bidders. And then you, it's just like movie star losing a lot of fans. So that value will, will reduce too. So it's magical, but it's not limitless. Mm. 
it's magical, but it's not limitless. I like that expression. Um, do you think there's, are are there clear cases now say, I I guess if you fast forward, do you see scenarios, you see traps, do you see places where society gets, um, you know, we have another com or ICO bubble where people get, I almost think this is a human psychology, positive feedback loop that happens where it's like, Hey, um, you know, we're, we're chatting about the value of something like, Hey, Wei Wu, uh, I think that, um, you know, pick anything, right. It's, I, I think, um, NFTs cause we're on it. I think they're going to become worth 10 times more what they're worth. And then this idea that the future valuation of something is drastically higher than the current valuation drives up price. And if you're wrong, if the, if the actual value delivered to people by those goods and services. So in the case of the 2001 bubble, it was companies. And in the ICO bubble, it was companies, but it was through the mechanism of tokens. Here it's NFTs. If they don't actually, if you don't sit back and look at that NFT collection and think, wow, this is unbelievable. This is beautiful that I own this. Um, then it becomes this kind of uh, carried away positive feedback loop on, on valuation. I'm thinking about bubbles like and what a bubble is. And a, a bubble is when we collectively overvalue an asset class. And that the cause of that is what? I mean, what, 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 do you, what is your take on this? <laughs> Am I making any sense? Do you view, do you view bubbles in this way as, as a, like a collective overvaluation of an asset class? Uh, yeah, um, um, you, you are you are right. I, I, I think you are completely right in what you described. But there is this uh, uh, phenomenon called uh, reflexivity, uh, reflexivity, reflexivity, where um, uh, the self-enforcing power will go to the extreme until it cannot go anymore. Before it comes back, it will not easily stop at the middle. Uh, so, in our, other words, if we don't have a few people who overinvested uh, and later commit suicide then the tide would not turn. Their sacrifice is mandatory for, for the society to turn, to turn the other direction. And if you say that we are experiencing dot-com bubble again, um, I think there is a good possibility that we are. But, but there are good bubbles and there are bad bubbles. And uh, dot-com is a good bubble because it, um, it, cr- uh, it created infrastructure spending and it created Amazon. So um, Amazon is... Without dot-com bubble, it's difficult to imagine it being, being the way it is today. Um, similarly, NFT might be a bubble, and we might have a, a crypto bubble in general. But I think smart token, which carries functionality, <laughs> connects consumer, connects website, enables Web3, that's going to be the fruit of it. Mm. I think it's a good bubble if we can make smart token work and make it a building block for Web3. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. Uh, I'm curious on the technical side. So you're a CTO. You presumably made all the important technical decisions. Uh, what were you doing prior to building uh, Smart Token Labs? Were you working in a similar space? Or what, what was your background? Um, okay, uh, maybe uh, maybe starting from the uh, from the beginning, uh, but I will try to make it quick. And I invested in Bitcoin very early on, since my, I bought my first Bitcoin in 2011, $5 each. Uh, and um, uh, I experienced a few times the, uh, the exchange collapsed, but um, I kept uh, accumulating Bitcoin. So 
at this point, somebody would usually talk to me and say, "If you are so early, why are you talking to me? And why are you not having your private island and then having having whatever exotic drink?" Um, uh, I, I feel this question is really curious. Like, why would I stop doing what I like to do? <laughs> I me too. I know. <laughs> and, and, and think uh, why 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 should I stop doing what I think is important simply because now I have the uh, financial means to not to do it. Like uh, it, it's almost <laughs> it, it's almost almost uh, defeating the purpose of uh, having money in the first place. So um, because you have money to do the things you are passionate about and the things you, you feel important about. So um, yeah, then then we we go on with, uh, uh, from that point on. I, I was deep in love with blockchain technology. Uh, I created a few tokens for different token issuers with different use cases. So. Um, uh, uh, I was in a few uh, very early stage ICO, uh, and, and some of them went really well. Um, Descent uh, is one of them. Uh, then um, I see the limitation of uh, keep doing new coins um, because it doesn't bring functionality. It's not very useful. It's useful to get somebody rich, but uh, what is the use of it, really? So that's when I turned to uh, the banking sector because at that time, uh, in 2015, 17, 16, 16. Um, banks were uh, eager in, uh, into blockchain technology. Uh, Commonwealth Bank of Australia had a huge project uh, with a lot of money invested in, in blockchain. So I applied the role of the blockchain architect leading the experiments there. We, we conducted a lot of experiments on how blockchain can be relevant to business or to society to improve the output. Uh, there was the quarter, quarter, R3 quarter, which is the blockchain widely used by banks. And I was uh, in the global architect working group as well. So I have been working on the uh, design of product all the time. Uh, the reason I left the bank was um, to start Smart Token Lab was because I couldn't convince the bank the importance of smart tokens. And also that uh, banks do not see a decentralized future. They see blockchain uh, value, blockchain value in, in reducing market friction and creating new market by making everything into token. Therefore, there are more markets for them. But they don't see why, uh, um, they don't see why bank is relevant to that picture because this, this technology can just go. Mm. So, um, having learned what I have learned already, um, I started a company with my uh, co-founders. That's a bit of the uh, background of my technology activity. What, what about the uh, choices of, of technology? What were you coding in uh, maybe at the bank? And then what did you decide to build on first? Uh, what, what frameworks? It was when I was, um, at that time, it was mostly Java. Um, uh, but what I learned, most important thing is, uh, it's not the um, blockchain itself. Blockchain itself has huge room to improve, improve and there are a lot of problems, scalability uh, and such. But Everybody can see these problems. And uh, what people don't see is that there is not a way to make uh, blockchain work for Web3. That uh, these two things are conceptually related, but there is no technology to make that happen. There's no building block, there's no bridge. And that was the, um, the biggest pain point for blockchain to be actually relevant. Otherwise, you can keep building apps, you can keep building dApps, more and more dApps. Web3 will not be achieved by today's step. They will not be, we, will, we can keep building dApps, we can build XC Infinity, XC2, Infinity2, but going that way, we will not get Web3. 
we will get Web3 when people are starting to book, book a ticket with, uh, with, with blockchain. We will get that when uh, people start to make friends and uh, 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 share social media posts and auction them um, and um, buy cars that, has an, that lives in a wallet. When that happens, we get Web3. Mm. So my goal has always been, since I worked in the bank, to close the gap, to build the bridge. Uh, and that, that's where I found purpose. And that's where what our organization is about. Mm, I love it. Oh, what a great background. And um, so it started on Java. Are, are you now um, fo- focusing still on Java or is there a collection of different languages? Uh, in, 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 in Alpha Wallet and TokenScript and uh, Opnia as well, uh, the key technology is um, still JavaScript because that's the technology of the web. Um, yeah, it's an... Um, uh, we have a token script which has an XML framework, but the XML framework is a container. It's like an outline of what um, token functionalities you have. It's a little bit like defining HTTP has get and put and post. Uh, it defines like uh, this token can log into the website or can have an authorization feature for someone to use it. And then uh, after the outline is defined, the actual functionality is still carried out by uh, good old JavaScript. And uh, in the future, uh, we might try uh, WASM because it provides a kind of uh, separation between token, script, uh, sorry, token space and the web space. Uh, that's the experiment we want to try. But most likely, we will stick with JavaScript. Mm, I love it. And, and do you see um, hotels, if you were to break this down by... Because I really like the way you describe the adoption of Web3 in reality. Uh, you know, building dApps, building more tokens alone doesn't change things for most people in their day-to-day life. But once you go to, you know, we use booking.com because you're working with them, but do you see different categories, say uh, hotels or maybe more broadly travel with airlines and taxis, um, uh, sporting events? Uh, Gaming to me seems like it would be the biggest in terms of the early adoption of smart tokens because it's it's a digital world in and of itself between the different games and the consoles are kind of the centralized computation space so going between games and a console um are there other spaces that you see as early adopters for smart smart tokens um so uh four years ago i was thinking about tickets that's why we had the FIFA experiments and, and other tickets experiments. The reason being ticket is um, a redeemable token. It is an, it has a direct functionality, which is to redeem it, to enter the venue. So uh, its function is very clearly defined. But um, today, we don't think that, that, that anymore. The reason being that if you have event ticket, most of the users will not have an Ethereum key. And you always have the problem that you are designing for 1%. So um, the natural, natural direction of evolution is to enrich NFT and make them usable in games and in turn make them usable in the metaverse. Mm. That's the way to go. Mm. Um, and the, on the metaverse, do you see uh, the metaverse as being a... What, do you, what is the metaverse to you? How, how do you conceptualize it? So um, we... Uh, Especially after COVID, this is easier to explain after COVID. Um, so your existence in the real world is split into multiple existence. One existence in Google Workspace, at office, virtual office. One existence is your Twitter, it's called Twitterverse. One existence is your Facebook circle. 
any any copy of your existence have its own universe. So metaverse is a collective concept that that, that uh, calls this uh, the just name that is given to multiple existence, multiple places where you can exist. Fort, Fortnite, for example, is a new um, place you can exist these days. Some people go there not to kill anyone, but to make friends. Um, so we are going to see this more and more, and people will have a split identity and get used to that. Um, the reason uh, it's, it's going to stay, uh, whether or not it's going to stay as the hype, it is like decentralized is the is the metaverse, and you have to buy land, and it's going to be expensive. I doubt that, mm. but the concept of metaverse will stay because we already have the split identity, and we already have need a home for every identity. The the, the word will stay, the concept will stay. Uh, now the relevance to us is once you have an NFT, you will you will want to use the rights attached to it uh, in Fortnite in um, in, twi- in Twitterverse. You want to be identified as a token holder in Twitter, and then um, uh, in, in Medium when you put, post an article, and, um, and all of the existence where you are, you might want to use them. Mm-hmm. You might even want to use them in real life. And uh, a token script uh, is so flexible that you can, it can make token behave differently by the context. Mm. So uh, in Fortnite, maybe you can, you can engrave your uh, NFT on, on your weapon, or maybe you can make that into clothes. Um, and maybe you can connect that to, um, to uh, Alexa, Alexa and, uh, and ask Alexa to do things tokens can do. We try to make something that is really flexible and suitable for the building block, composable, component for the future mm. and that's yeah. why i think this the metaverse gives us a really good opportunity to grow are, are there any I, game- I, wouldn't into, I wouldn't go into the land, land speculation in metaverse yeah. though yeah, yeah 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 i'm with you it doesn't feel right it doesn't feel like the the metaverse is uh or it doesn't how to say this it doesn't feel like the evolution of human interaction is built on scarcity where we have limited land, limited this, limited that, and we all need to compete and drive up prices. And there's going to be people that don't have land or people that do. The beauty of the digital world is that there's just infinite of everything. I mean, it doesn't. There's no cost of production. The, the, the scarcity, the scarcity, even in uh, decentralized land, is difficult to defend. Mm. Uh, decentralized, uh, decentralized land has the same problem that. Uh, uh, someday somebody will make an even better virtual existence, and uh, second life was replaced. But then uh, you will, somebody will replace it. Something will replace it. Uh, you can carry a few things with you, tokens, uh, but land value. Well, it's difficult to carry, carry land across um, metaverse. Um, I think it will it will be over too. I think that uh, the idea that uh, I draw pleasure from the uh, metaverse. By owning something other people cannot own, um, it will it will be over true. You will still want to own things, but for a different reason, for building connections, for for enjoying what the the thing can bring to you, not for the uniqueness that only you can use you use it. Yeah. I think it, uh, we will still have NFTs, and we will still have smart tokens, but uniqueness, your sorry, uniqueness and scarcity uh, will no longer be a thing in, in the next five years. Mm, yeah. I'm with you. I I think that's awesome. Uh, any any special um, people or books or projects or other than your own that you'd want to give a shout out to? Any any uh, tokens you you like or projects that you particularly like um, have invested in or advise or 
Um, if nothing comes to mind, that's fine too. But anything, uh... I, I, I'm, I'm generally generally interested in uh, second generation blockchain technology. Ethereum has has a lot of limitations. It's amazing that uh, it's still going on and uh, still have a roadmap to address this. But from a te- uh, technical architect perspective, uh, some of them, are in, some of these scalability problems are so deeply embedded in EVM itself, and. Uh, re- uh, making EVM away will 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 make existing Ethereum contract stop working. So uh, there is potentially a limit for development for for Ethereum. Um, I'm not entirely sure which one is going to be the second generation blockchain, but we are working on one layer above. We are mostly working with Ethereum, but our token technology is going to work in in many different environments. Uh, right now. I still think Ethereum is irreplaceable, and uh, Ethereum uh, is still the, uh, the focus where uh, everybody should look to into, into a new development. In the meanwhile, uh, I'm also invested uh, in uh, a group of um, uh, um, competing uh, blockchain technology. I will not name them because I didn't read the white paper thoroughly enough. To, to be sure, I'm talking no, what, what I'm talking about, even as a CTO, even I've been working in the field for so long, things are changing very rapidly. Uh, but that's where I, I would look at. Um, for, for the audience of this channel, I suggest them to, um, instead of playing a, placing a bet uh, in the second generation Ethereum compared, compared to competitors, uh, look for the development in token space. Maybe there are business that adopts token technology and becomes an important issuer that is both technically interesting, uh, com- uh, have a community, um, allow community to have a stake in it, and potentially profitable. It's possible. Uh, so I would suggest everybody look in the token space. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I uh, deeply enjoyed this conversation. I uh, I, I re- learned a ton. I congratulate you guys on all the progress you've made. Um, yeah. Thank you. Any, any Thank last you, thoughts? I, 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 I also would love to see some uh, pictures or video someday of your horses. That sounds like a, an awesome pastime that you have really fortunate space, <laughs> beautiful country yeah, out there. Yeah. I can a new bunch. If you, if you want to use that as a, title picture for the <laughs> yeah yeah let's do it uh way it's been an absolute pleasure thanks so much for jumping on and uh best of luck to you guys and the team pleasure is mine thank you thank you for listening to around the coin if you enjoyed the show today consider giving us a quick review wherever you listen to podcasts tweet about it or text it to a friend we really appreciate all the support and growing that we can if you have any guests you'd like us to bring on or feedback for us Don't hesitate to reach out. We would love to hear from you. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.